What up, what up, what up? I am your host, Tiffany Story. And I'm your host, Lamar Story. And this is Living the Stress Life Podcast. And we are kicking off season three. It's been a long time. Yeah, we back, we back, we back, back, back. <laughs> so, it's a lot going on. We've experienced a lot of changes in a short amount of time. And so... We thought it would be really appropriate to kick off season three of Living a Stress Life podcast with talking about the stress of change. Yeah, there has been a lot going on. We've been gone for what, a year? Yeah, a year. Yeah, so that's. I know y'all missed us. I hope y'all missed us. All right. <laughs> We've moved twice. Yeah, we've moved twice. Since wow. Since the podcast. Since the last podcast. And a lot of change has happened. Yeah. So we're going to talk about change a little bit today. Some of the stressors that come along with change. And as you know, we always got to leave you guys with um, some tips on how to deal with those ch- those stressors and how to deal with change. So you ready to get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're two self-care experts, a massage therapist, and a licensed professional counselor, husband and wife and parents of three, business owners and working professionals, who have intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally. Our podcast aims to teach the everyday professional how to live through the stresses in life while learning to be their best in life. So what is change? According to the dictionary, Change is to make someone or something different, alter or modify, replace something with something else, especially something of the same kind that is newer or better, to substitute one thing for another. The act or instance of making or becoming different. Mm. So when you hear that definition of change, what do you think about? Oh man, you would tell to me. <laughs> I wasn't ready, coach. You the only one else. You the only other person. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna even lie. I like stopped listening halfway through. I was focusing on like this podcast, like the what we recording. Mm. Go through, go through the last. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she ain't even listening to me, y'all. That's how marriages work. She can look at you dead in your eye and don't be listening at all. <laughs> Sorry about that. So change is to make or to make someone or something different, alter or mod- modify, replace something with something else, especially something of the same kind that is newer or better <clears throat> wife. Some substitute one thing for another. <laughs> The act or instance of making or becoming different. So, what was the question? So, I think I'll answer it. (laughs) (laughs) Because when I hear that, it can be stressful. Like, the things that pop up in my head while I was reading that, when it was like the act or instance of making or becoming different, you think about the stress and struggle it takes to become a different person. That's what I thought about, right? Mm -hmm. Or to make someone or something different, alter or modify. When I read that, I thought about how 
sometimes people try to make their significant others change. And you really can't make somebody change. And a lot of times in relationships, that's what we see. Mm-hmm. Like, you get into a relationship with this person that you're attracted to, uh, whether it's physical, mentally, or whatever, but there's still some things you might want to change about them, mm-hmm. right? And then you get into a more serious relationship or marriage, and it's like, well, they're moldable, so I can change this person into this, or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then when that's not the case, it becomes very stressful. Mm-hmm. And it may lead to divorce, depending on what it is. For instance, some people get married knowing that their spouses don't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And they want to have kids. But at the time, they're having a great time together. They get married thinking like, oh, they're going to change their mind. They don't change their mind. And I've seen couples like this that have gotten divorced because of that. The simple fact that this person does not want to have kids. I'm like, well, you knew that like 25 years prior. <laughs> I, I also think that people think they are they will change. Like, I mean, another way of looking at it is this person makes you happy. I like the way I feel with them. We align in so many areas and they feel like I can deal with this. This is something that I can compromise on or that I'm... I'm willing to... to oh, so you're saying that they'll say, well, you know, I could compromise and not have a child. Yeah, like the desire for me to be a mom or the desire for me to be a father will subside with time because this person is filling my needs. Um, but then and, it doesn't. Yeah, and I think the other is, the other aspect is we look outside of ourselves for happiness and we look outside of ourselves for fulfillment instead of acknowledging that in reality, no one can make you happy. And so when someone comes along that we feel like makes us happy, sometimes we convince ourselves that we can change mm-hmm. to maintain this feeling, not acknowledging that with time, relationships change, people change, how you feel about things change, or what is a priority for you changes. Like, there are many people who say they don't want to have kids and eventually change their mind after they experience something like a divorce or like the death of a parent. You know, like if you're an only child, right? Mm -hmm. And you always felt like, hey, I don't want to have kids. And all of a sudden you find yourself having no parents and no siblings. And, you know, I hear people that come from small families all the time saying, you know, I wish I would have had a sibling. And sometimes they may only have one child. I regret not giving my child another, a sibling, you know. So I think sometimes we don't, we don't put enough emphasis on the fact that over time we will change. My thing is broken, so I can't turn my phone on vibrate because the thing though. So I can only turn it down on low, unfortunately. But I can't. Give me a second. I'll stop. Yeah, there's something you need to change. You need to change your phone. <laughs> I am not ready yet. Um, I was gonna say though, when you first asked me, I, I in my mind I got all deep and was like, so when I hear that, I think like the metamorphosis of like a butterfly uh, caterpillar into a butterfly. But I think people are like that. I'll definitely say, at this age in my life, I feel like my perspective on things or, um. 
Yeah, my perspective. My perspective on how issues should be resolved or handled is much different than it was 10 years ago. You know, like I'm more introspective and I focus more on on what can I control, you know what I'm saying? Instead of being frustrated all the time about things that I can't change, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I think that that's a, that's a work in progress because I also feel like as I've gotten older, my anxiety has gotten, I don't know if it's my anxiety has gotten worse or I'm more aware of my anxiety. I mm. think when there's a lack of awareness then you experience things almost as if they're outside of yourself. But when there's a increased awareness to something, then there's more acknowledgement that this is a part of you. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I think the first time, I think I've shared this before on the podcast, like I was in undergrad in a stress management class when I learned that I was experiencing anxiety. Like I'd never heard anybody, and I talk about anxiety. Yeah, and yeah, I, I mean, typically it. we don't though. Like no. in our culture, that's not really, you know, something that we talk about is anxiety. You know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, we've had to learn these things in our adulthood because our parents didn't talk like that. They didn't talk about anxiety and or taking medication for this, or, you know, stuff like that, because that yeah. just wasn't a thing for us. Well, I think it's also a lack of awareness, you know. it. I've seen a, I've seen a post today on social media that was saying, give yourself a break, because a lot of you are first-generation entrepreneurs. Oh, yeah, I've seen that, too. Yeah, you come yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, you come yeah, in. yeah. <laughs> you get too crazy. Yeah. But I think what stood out to me about that is say it you, again. So everybody, so you ain't say everything because you cut me off because you got so cold. Oh my bad. But it was saying like give yourself a break because many of you are first time college graduates, first time entrepreneurs, first time something, and it was saying, you know, you're basically becoming something you've never seen before. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I mean, it kind of takes me to like. Shanoia posted it, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know who that is. But I, you must have commented, which is why mm-hmm. I seen it. But it makes me think about people who created something that didn't exist. Like people who created airplanes or people who created traffic lights or yeah. whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're the first at something, it feels crazy to, to you. You're unusual to other people. But the reality is many of us are... We're engaging in information and engaging in behaviors and practices we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like taking ownership of toxic um, behaviors that have been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah. You know, I've talked. I have, I've had some deep conversations with my mom recently. Recently, around. Recently. Yeah. Recently <laughs> about. You know, just mental health history in our family. Mm-hmm. Like, she made a statement about my grandmother or something my granddad had said about my grandmother. And, like, for the first time, it was just like, that explains where this anxiety came from yeah. or where these family patterns came from. And just breaking it down to her. Mm-hmm. But me going to school for mental health counseling, if I didn't have that exposure to that, I wouldn't be able to have that conversation. Well, being able to have those, those yeah. conversations changes how things pass down from generation to generation. Exposure. Yeah, it's about exposure. Yeah. 
So we kind of got off topic a little bit, but I think it also goes hand in hand with just talking about the stress of change too, mm-hmm. because like me and you talked about how, like, I don't know, something was going on with the kids one day and I felt like we needed to handle it another way. And you just, I think wanted to give him a whooping or something. You was like, what? He need his ass beat or something. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs>
I'm just one of those people who will go, 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 go. And even if I feel like I'm burning the candle at both ends, I have a hard time sometimes figuring out what I can let go because everything feels so important or I don't want to let this person down or I really think it's important to support this person. And for me, it was just like, I'll gladly sit at home. I mean, I was just cooking a whole bunch of food. I was watching food videos all the time and trying new foods and laying around but there's other type of changes that are stressful for me because it was really stressful for you to just be like the business to be shut down you stuck at home and i i well, understand you have to look it. at it oh you were stuck at home with, with a job that yeah. you could work from home with still, income <laughs> with income still getting paid uh still being able to handle your business y'all talking through zoom and you delegating and do everything that you need to do. I'm the owner of a business in which I'm responsible for employees. And we were shut down, down. You know, it's a massage therapy business. so You got to touch people. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't take it well at first. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to shut my Stressing business down. me out. I was, str- I was probably stressed out for the first month. Yeah. At least three to four weeks in. And I was and then I was like <laughs> trying to figure stuff. I tried to develop an app, pay all paid all this money to develop an app, didn't like it and just stopped it. <laughs> I was like, This is not serving me and what I wanna do. Um, trying to see how I could connect with my clients virtually. It was just not working for me. But then all of a sudden, something hit me and I was just like, I need to relax. I've been working since I I've been able. That's what he was. <laughs> I slapped him in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't hit me. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I had to, like, learn how to relax. You know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? I'm stressing out trying to. what? Stressing out <laughs> trying to figure out what to do. And I really needed to take this opportunity to actually refocus on my family because I had so I've worked so long six days a week and only off one day I missed a lot with my family and my kids and I had to realize that this is an opportunity that probably would never ever happen again unless I make it happen again and I had I needed to take advantage of it so I changed my mindset about what was going on. I reframed the situation. I think that's that a lot of people don't recognize that stress or the impact of stress is really rooted in perspective. It's it's really rooted in what lens you're viewing a situation and what or, charge you give that situation. And what charge you give that situation, which brings up a, like one of the points that I found when we were just kind of researching some of the points that we wanted to talk about when it comes to the the impact of stress and, and transition. And I was reading an article from uh, Psychology Today, and one of the tips that she gave is become, a proact- become proactive in the change process. Those who are empowered look for opportunities to make things better. But victims sit back and worry about what will happen from a passive perspective. 
And so it's really saying that your mindset determines how you experience what's happening to you. Like you can take it as an opportunity to say, you know what? I desired something different. What can I do with this situation that I cannot control? But a victim mindset says this is happening to me and I have no control over this situation. Yeah. And so, like you said, you give it a higher charge and it impacts you differently. And So, go ahead. I'm sorry. And, you know, so I've been working, you know, working on just, um, I'm working on some things when it comes to stress management, right? Mm-hmm. For the sake of the podcast and, you know, helping clients dealing with stress. And so, one of the things that I've been looking at was just talking about the fight or flight response right and physiologically if we even if this threat or or this or if we perceive ourselves to be in danger right perceived threat Mm -hmm. a perceived threat then we have a certain response our body changes. Yeah. The way our we function physically is impacted by even the perception, even if it's not a real threat, right? And so a lot of times we see change as harmful when sometimes it's not harmful, you know? Like, let me think. Well, I was I ended up a relationship. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the end of a relationship, you could be in a toxic relationship. But because we're vested, so vested in that, and we feel like that ending makes us feel like a failure, then we we perceive the end of a relationship, even one that we were not happy in, as harmful to us. When really, it could have been the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah. I'm sorry, and even in this, this pandemic situation... I had to reframe the situation and I immediately I started doing things for my peace of mind, right? Started doing the yoga and meditation course. Uh, I was able to get certified in hypnotherapy, which all of that stuff helped me. But then I went out and bought my wife and kids bikes and we started biking in the community and going to Red Mountain and hiking and painting and painting and we just started spending so much time together and I really I really had it gave me the opportunity to fall back in love with my wife because even before the pandemic <laughs> I didn't think we was gonna make it what y'all what he dropping bomb this is news to me yeah what what the hell <laughs> <laughs> no for real I was starting not to like her but then it was like man uh, <laughs> it was like she cool you know what I mean because I think what it was is that we were both going 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 we were getting on each other's nerves we were, getting on each, we were clash when we get home you know what I'm saying it's, I don't know because we were tired or what have you and it was just stressful but we would clash and then now with that with the pandemic us being stuck in the house that was like the best thing that ever happened to me ment- mentally yeah, he For realized me. it wasn't me. It, I wasn't the issue. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for me, I know that when I'm, when I'm extremely stressed, I can't always shut off. You know what I'm saying? It impacts my sleep. And, I mean, even during the pandemic, I, my sleep 
Yeah, both of our sleep got off. We oh, just be yeah. we Everybody's sleep was off. Yeah, just be we up. We were looking on Facebook. Everybody was like, why am I up? <laughs> why are you up? It's like, you ain't got nothing to do. You've been in the house all day. <laughs> but even when we started preparing for moving and started looking for a house, like, I literally could be dead asleep and something in my mind switches on and I'm just up. Like, 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm just, like, somebody snatched me out of my sleep. You know, it's like... The way my my anxiety works, if I am experiencing stress, even if I keep telling myself I'm not stressed. I mean, I'm a therapist, so I, you know, I know all the skills for thought stopping and, you know, um, changing, uh, uh, redirecting your thoughts and changing your thoughts and taking deep breaths. And I, I know all those things, but I can do those while I'm awake. But if I have compressed and compressed and compressed and compartmentalized it after some point my uh my brain while i'm resting it will you know it will trip and say hey you are stressed it's time to acknowledge that and so i found that um for me change is a very hard one you know, changes when we were moving. I just I felt stressed, extremely stressed all the time. I could feel it like in my body and my yeah. muscles. And you make sure everybody else feels it. I'll be trying to. <laughs> I know, but it happens. Yeah. But um, but yeah, those those are the things that change can bring about. The type of stressors that change can bring about. And what we want to talk to you right now is about how to. Um, I first identify some of those stressors that you're going through, right? And then how do you, what kind of tips do we have for them to, to work on those stressors? Mm-hmm. Tips. I thought, I thought you were doing tips. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> We both can do tips, tips. Yeah, we both can do tips. That's, that, that's right. I think one of the, um, one of the things that I learned as a therapist, which was something that um, was pointed out when I was reading the Psychology Today article, is about um, fact checking. Fact checking, mm-hmm. like like fact. Fact. Oh, F A C T. Yeah, not not P H A T. No. <laughs> Go ahead. Fact checking. Uh-huh. So it's like basically, you know. You ask yourself, when have you experienced something before? You know, how did it impact you? Did it, did everything fall apart? It's like, it's it's like proving to yourself, hey, I've encountered this before. And even though I'm catastrophizing right now, the reality is I've come through this and it's not the end of the world. You know what I'm saying? So kind of going through what are you experiencing? What are you really catastrophizing? What are you stressing out about? And then really proving if what you're stressing out is really real, if there's any any truth to it, or so, if it's... Ooh, I got a perfect example for that. So, like with me, you know, I have employees, and I really don't like change. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like my employees to change, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like to fire people. Or I don't like when an employee quits. Mm -hmm. Um, That's something that I just don't like, right? And it's stressful. Even when I can see it coming, when I can see that it's about to happen, I get stressed. 
about it, right? Because I know that oh, I'm going to have to replace someone. I'm going to have to do this, that I, you know, all the stuff that I'm going to have to do. And it's going to disrupt the flow of things. But what I had to had to learn, somebody told me, I can't remember who was, I was just having a general conversation. And, oh, I think it was my Uncle Daryl. Mm-hmm. So he's a manager at Home Depot. And he said, uh, you know, that's just a part of business. I don't really think he doesn't know how much that helped me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It gave me a different perspective on somebody quitting and having to replace someone or firing someone. Tell him right now. Uncle Daryl. <laughs> Uncle Daryl, thank you. Thank you, Uncle Daryl. <laughs> but for real, thank you, though, because that helped me to lessen the charge that I gave to that situation. Mm-hmm. That's a situational stress. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's 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 a, that's a thing. Situational stressors. That's a thing. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. So now when that situation happens, I'm like, oh, I hate to lose you, but... I just wish you well. You know what I'm saying? It's like... <laughs> Why are you turning into somebody friend? Oh, no. But it's like, oh, man, I hate to lose you, but hey, you know. Or if you see that there's someone not benefiting your business and you have to let them go, you know, looking at it like, hey, they're kind of firing themselves. Yeah. I read that in a book somewhere. I can't remember. Um, they said people typically fire themselves. It's something that they know that they're doing that's worth getting fired for. Yeah. And they're just waiting on you to pull the trigger. I when it, I mean, I understand it being stressful, uh, especially when somebody leaves, that you feel like added value to your place of employment. But when it comes up to toxic people, like, I'm a firm believer in cutting off the parasite. You know what I'm saying? Or cutting off whatever's dead. Like... If you got a dead toe, the doctor cuts it off where the whole foot gets infected. You know what I'm saying? That's nasty. Yeah, but you ain't leaving a dead toe on for the sake of having five toes or that it's going to look odd. You know what I'm saying? I want five toes. And so I think that when it comes to that type of change, it's important or it's or you pretty much run the risk of everything you're working at building being impacted by it and possibly becoming poison Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so therefore you have to reframe the situation which is another one of our tips Mm -hmm. you reframe the situation if you got to let go somebody or somebody's leaving that's another opportunity for you to train somebody new somebody come in with new bright energy that's full that's happy to be there and um and that's willing and ready to receive what you're ready to teach them and they're happy to have an opportunity to work. So you had to reframe that situation like, okay, yeah, I'm losing this person. But now I have the opportunity to train somebody or have the opportunity, another opportunity to help somebody build their clientele so that they can go out and be on their own. It reminded me of when I, um, at one of my jobs, when I used to work for the city of Birmingham, um, I had a supervisor when Birmingham people, strong when when people would leave even if they was getting fired the exit was announced to the whole team the same way they were spreading their wings they were moving on some of us would know 
they got fired. Like, mm-hmm. we would know, like, they they ain't doing nothing. They stirring up mess. We know they getting fired. But I think for the person who was actually being let go, because you were being let go the same way somebody who actually was transitioning on their own, it was the same, it felt less embarrassing or it was like a softer blow yeah. so even though behind closed doors you was told you was being fired for a b c and d mm-hmm. when it was presented to the team as a whole it was like look we got big news this person's moving on they get to pursue these the opportunities and it used to be like i'm gonna start doing that yeah <laughs> i mean seriously because i one thing i found with the program that i work on when we kick like when we end up having to kick girls out of our program it's really hard for other girls if you don't say anything. If you just move on and nothing said, it to them it they frame the situation in a much worse light than it could have actually been. Like And I think I think for some business owners, they feel like the quicker that happens, the quicker people forget. In some instances they do cuz I used to work for a job, people would get let go and you just don't see them no more. Mm-hmm. And then everybody was like, you know, whispering, what happened? You know, what happened? And then the managers don't say nothing. nothing. But then, like, two weeks later, people don't say nothing else about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I think I think in some people's head, they're like, that's the way to go. Because you don't want to put people's business out in the street. You just don't want to say nothing. But I kind of like that aspect, the way he's kind of ushering people out. Especially if it's on a positive note. Well, you know I what I'm saying? It's, it's just like... If you usher everybody out the same way, nobody really knows. There might be back talk, but nobody really knows that, okay, this person was still in client, so yeah, he got fired. You know what I mean? But I also think it reframes change and for the organization. It sets a culture that change is okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't have to be bad. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So... Oh. The people who were involved in the firing or the dismissal, they're aware of what happened. But the reality is what you're sending, a, 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 the message you're sending to your staff or your organization or your team is that despite how this relationship ends or changes, it's all love. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think that's what I took away from it is reframing the transition in relationships, even if it ends badly, that it doesn't have to be framed in your mind as this is a negative thing. You know what I'm saying? Or this was a bad transition. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. And it also gave the person who was being let go an opportunity to see it as an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? When it's... Because that person was often there when the announcement was made. Like, it would be their last day. They would be being, they had been told an hour before this meeting that they was being fired. And for them, when it was presented, it was like, they said they were interested in this. We all know they was passionate about this. You know, let's say congratulations, wish them well. And it's just like, for one, it showed that you was listening to that person saying what their dreams and future goals was. And you're helping everybody else change the mind, their mindset about that person's exit. Even if you know, I don't work with this person and they weren't doing nothing they were supposed to be doing. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, reframing the way you see a situation is important. I'm mm. sorry. Yeah. Made a lot of noise, Amy. 
Um, I think the last one, the last tip of the day is asking for help when you're unable to adjust to change mm. is reaching out you know what i'm saying yeah. making yourself be vulnerable a lot of times we try to deal with things by ourselves yeah. we don't actually reach out and ask other people to help us make that adjustment you know yes i think that's something that i don't really do well at, is asking for help i know i know it's something that like guys don't do well um they don't just even in my personal circle, right? There's been divorce. There's been death of a loved one. There's been sickness, but none of them typically reach out for help. You know what I mean? And we're supposed to be like brothers, so and it's we, more informational thing. Like, hey, just letting y'all know, I just happened to get out the hospital. Yeah, it's like okay. <laughs> I'm straight now, but this is what the doctor said, and I'm no, close you, to death. You're not you know? straight, yeah. So it's like, you know, even you know, one of our friends lost his child, and no one has still really had an in-depth conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that you have to learn how to reach out, but that goes back to, you know, how we were raised, yeah, and what you were exposed to. I like to think now that a lot more of us are exposed to counseling, reaching out to mental health therapists. Um, you see a lot of the popular uh, actors and actresses, even uh, like Charlemagne the guy, he talks about his therapist all the time. You see a lot more people talking, having regular conversations. Even young Jeezy mm-hmm. was talking about how he had conversation with his therapist. There's a point in time you would never hear a hardcore rap artists talking about seeing a therapist. But I think that's a part of toxic masculinity is the fact that what's toxic is we can't even ask for help even when we're desperate and in in need need of of help. And I think it's wonderful that these these people are doing this now because it's exposing the younger generation to say, hey, it is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we grow up in some grimy conditions. Mm Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Yeah. And we need to talk to somebody. And when you got more people like that coming out and saying it, I think it just makes it feel okay for everybody. Like, okay, I need to go see a therapist. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to talk to. Yeah. Instead of people listening to Artists Like Future and talking about, you know, medicating yourself. And And drugs. With drugs and and sex and different things of that nature. You know... And I've talked a lot about this recently, uh, especially after I lost my friend Kim a few months ago about just the R.I.P. Ep- Kim. R.I.P. R.I.P. Okay. Um, so I just <laughs> talked about the whole thing of allowing our our sons to know it's okay to experience and to express emotion. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, and I, on the other side of that, I think one thing I have not really talked a lot about is this, this norm that black women have created too for themselves of not also asking for help. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think a lot of shows that I have watched too, um, just over the years 
you really see that portrayed as black women being so strong. You know, black women. Toxic femininity. I don't know if that's not a thing. I think it is. I think I think what I see now is almost like the reversal of toxic masculinity. You know what I mean? It's like to be feminine and strong is to be emotionless. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's to be a, a go-getter that doesn't hold back anything to get what they want. It's, it's not even a go-getter, but it's the... The fact that you take on everyone's pain. You're the nurturer. You're the healer. Like, we make it okay for our men sometimes and our children and all these other people in our lives to experience pain. We encourage them to experience and to express. But we absorb all of that and wear this cape. And it's not okay for us to ever demonstrate the same things. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay for the men too. Yeah, like, I think there there are a lot more women who encourage our girlfriends and encourage people in our lives to, you know, to be vulnerable and to reach out. But we are experiencing stress. We're experiencing disappointments on a job or we may be dis- uh, experiencing, like, discrimination or white privilege. Like, we're impacted by all of these things and people look at you as the strong person. So then you become the sounding board for everyone's issues. And then you find yourself in this cycle where you don't have a place to basically do the same thing with other people in your life. I agree. But I also see that I see a lot of groups focus primarily on women, either whether it be success groups or groups like the group you went to um, with your cousin, I think it was in Huntsville. It's about getting together and expressing themselves, right? Well, Men don't that typically. Like that. that was about. That was a Christian organization. Yeah, but it was about your relationship with God. Yeah, but it's, it's still a, it's an outlet. It is right, but I don't see a lot of guys or men do that. Mm-hmm. Even when we do get together, it's so superficial that it's meaningless. To the soul. You know what I mean? And I've even gotten to the point where I'm kind of done with meaningless conversations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, if I've, it don't serve you. It doesn't, if it doesn't serve a purpose. I mean, I'm okay with talking about sports and stuff every once in a while. But if every conversation... Are you really? You're, nah. You've nah. never been a sports but, <laughs> You know, every conversation, if we get to a point where we can't absolutely be real with each other and share some real stuff, then I kind of see that relationship as, as, I hate to say it and sound mean, but like almost pointless. Yeah. No, I mean, I completely feel it. Like, I've gotten to a point in the, or a place in my life with my friends or the people I'm close to, like, I don't hold anything back. You know what I'm saying? Like... And I'm not saying about hurt feelings or anything like that, but I'm, I mean, I just don't hold anything back. It's just like, if this is the place I'm in, this is the place I'm in. If I feel grateful or appreciate you, I'm going to say that. If I feel like there, you should be doing something different or what you're doing is toxic, I'm going to say that. Like, I'm not an amen corner friend. I've never been an amen corner friend, but I won't say that I've been a friend that was vulnerable, that would take the time to say, you know what? I really love you. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I love you too. Oh, you, well, you wouldn't tell me. Yeah, oh, I love you too. But I'm just saying, like, saying that to, like, having that moment where you're being vulnerable and telling somebody how much you value them, not just being there to be the real friend, like, that's stupid, or you shouldn't do that, or no, you, you know, you were wrong. Also, being on the other side to say, you know what, this is what makes you awesome, or this is why you are important to me. Like, I've gotten to a place in my life where I find it a little bit easier to do that because the reality is is that what what makes a really great relationship you know what i'm saying and so yeah i i think that what you're saying there is some validity to that like a lot more men are have these superficial relationships and but i don't i think you brought up the point like you and your friends are also not really having meaningful conversations women we will have meaningful conversations but it can be one-sided so even if you see us having this camaraderie there's always someone in the group who is the strong one who is not getting their needs met they're the person that's like girl this is what you need to do let me help you do this like you have women who they wear these capes and everybody kind of puts them on this pedestal because they seem like they have it all together. But the reality is they don't have an outlet for themselves. You know what I'm saying? And so I I do agree that it is a toxic form of femininity, but I don't know if I agree that there's a toxic femininity thing. You just did. Yeah. So let's move on. Okay. <laughs> so those were our tips of the day. Tips of the day. So so let's let's go back through those. The first one is about changing your perspective to be a proactive contributor of change versus versus having a passive perspective or victim mindset, right? The second one is reframing the way you Reframe the situation. Yeah, well, yeah. and those that's kind of similar to the first one. I mean, if you think going from being a passive perceiver to a proactive perceiver is okay. is really reframing. But um, and the last one is um, what did I say? No, we had one more, didn't we? We probably did, but I have one more. <laughs> no. Um, focusing on the moment. So don't spend too much time living in the past or thinking about the future, stressing out about things that you cannot control. Focus on the current moment and focus on what you could do in that moment. In that moment. Why are you saying that like and that? In that moment. <laughs> Because we're still in the moment. You see how you focused in on that? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, you also. Anyway. Um, we're going to get deeper and deeper this year, y'all. Yeah. So we got some good stuff coming. I would like to be able to do some mindfulness stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm a certified hypnotherapist now, y'all. Oh, <laughs> So we're going to definitely get into your mindset. Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about that and and speak about living in the moment more often. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little bit more therapy in, in in on the podcast. You know, be a little bit more shrink like and do some cycle education and some more sharing some stress management tips because I think you know 
again, going into a new season of life, I think it's really important for us to kind of take ownership of toxic mindsets and behaviors and really being instruments of the change we want to see in our lives. Like, be the change you want to see. If you want to see things change within your communities, within your culture, within your household and relationships and jobs, change starts with you. You know, change starts with you being an active contributor of change. So, And one thing I want y'all to change before I let y'all go, wear a mask. So if you don't wear a mask, change that <laughs> and wear a mask. Yes. <laughs> I was going, to, uh, this just totally off the rift. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to bring this up. So, we just moved, y'all, into a new home. And we were going to join a gym close by. Went to the gym. They don't require their guests to wear masks while they're working out. So defeats the purpose of wearing a mask in. Yeah, like, why am I wearing a mask in here? And nobody in here is wearing a mask. Well, some people weren't wearing masks. Yeah, some people were. You had a choice to wear a mask or not. But anyway, um, that's going to wrap up our podcast today and tonight. You got any final thoughts? Tiffany? No, no. I just want to say, you know, live your best life. Living through your stress life. Peace.